Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. This is the Soho Radio Podcast, showcasing some of the best broadcasts from our online radio station, right from the heart of Soho, London. Across our music and culture channels, we have a wide range of shows covering every genre, along with chat shows, discussions and special broadcasts. Here is just one of our recent shows. To catch the full show, head to our Mixcloud page or listen live at SohoRadioLondon.com. Welcome to Celine's Salon. Step right in where you belong. Share a poem or sing a song. It's open house, so why not come along? Hello and welcome to Celine's Salon, our September show with some wonderful, wonderful guests. Um, well, what a week it's been, what a month it's been. And again, Soho is coming, becoming more livelier and it's really lovely to have life back. Um, I've been out quite a bit appreciating all the great discounts at the restaurants um, it's good to see local businesses open and up and running and people getting back into the swing of things. Stay away, COVID. We don't want you back. Otherwise, I'll do my ninja jump on you. <laughs> anyway, moving on swiftly. Um, we have, as I said, some lovely, quite different guests today. Um, my first guest is a very, very, very talented man. And you just heard his wonderful song, Soho, as our opening track. Um... He's also a fellow resident and a proper bohemian and a lovely Welsh man. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Try to do a Welsh accent there, Celine. I think you need to... There, there are some of us. Drama school. <laughs> if I had a couple of beers, mate, it'd be Glaswegian, so there you go. Um, so, yeah, Ian Richards is a singer, lead guitarist, songwriter for the wonderful band Lunatics Lost, super-duper indie rock Nokia socks off music jump up and down on your bed in the morning after you get out the show and do some air guitars there you go yeah that's it <laughs> he's also the founder and festival director of the velvet coal mine festival and and you were doing that consecutively for five years in his hometown of blackwood <gasps> blackwood yeah. It's the home of the Manic Street Preachers. It's all true. We'll be going back to talking about your hometown. Um, and before that, he was the cultural development officer of one of my favourite places on... Um, is it Theobald's Road, isn't it? The Welsh... Yeah, Crazy Road. Yes, it's Crazy Road. fantastic yeah. building. Um, and amongst all uh, lots of the creative things that he was injecting into the Welsh centre... Uh, he created the London Welsh Literature Festival. So I think he's a very poignant guest to have on today. Hello, Ian. <laughs> Hello, Celine. Yeah, sorry, I'm still waking up. <laughs> How are you, mate? All right. Yeah, yeah. good, good, yeah. So Lovely. you've got like a endless stream of talents here. Um, let's go into your music. I, I'd like to sort of know how, you know, we sing uh, songwriting from a very early age. Yeah, I think, uh, I guess initially, like like lots of kids growing up in Wales, uh, heavy metal is still a big thing in South Wales. So uh, 
a lot of the people that grew up listening to rock bands were kind of had ACDC t-shirts on and, <laughs> and Iron Maiden t-shirts and all those kind of things. So initially it was the electric guitars, an idea I was attracted to. Uh, I think the idea of writing songs seemed evasive. It felt like something that existed somewhere else. And uh, yeah, I guess, you know, I see the Maddocks come out of my town and inject that sense of aspiration was, uh, you know, in, in, in reach really, I suppose. And I guess that sort of took me down a route of realising I could write my own. But yeah, initially I was just attracted to the idea of the electric guitar. Yeah. Fantastic. And as a songwriter, you know, what do you take sort of obviously life experience as your inspiration behind, you know, ideas for, for songs? I think it's a combination of a broken heart and ongoing exploitation within the country, really. And I think that exploitation hasn't ever been removed. And I think over the last 10 years, the increase of zero-hour contracts and the increase of a reduction of employee rights uh, has become rampant, really. And it's all done very subtly. Uh, so I think, I think songwriters, particularly if you're rock bands, you, you, you've never had more to write about yeah, it's kind of we we're in our in our lifetime. We've seen a massive change within the music industry. Of you know, my I was in a bad. You know, I was one of the last people to have a CD in a shop <laughs> to have a record was open. Um, and also, you know, the the way you know of how to make a living as a musician. Uh, obviously, live gig performances. How the internet has really changed everything, and also how artists on the whole during the lockdown. You know, we were screwed, basically. And, you know, I'm also working in a hospital. You know, I work, work for a private members club. Everything went. How do you feel about that? How, create? you know, places like Berlin, they actually pay... Not um, It's not Dole, but it's a, a government funding that looks after... They see art as a job, not a hobby. Um, again, in the school curriculums here, they want art removed. How, what's your views on that? Oh, I think there's a there's a number of layers in it, really, isn't it? I mean, I think, number one, we need to be very clear what the idea of rock and roll is about. Rock and roll, first and foremost, is against the establishment. So I think the moment we start attempting to include rock and roll in the establishment, which they've tried to do over the last 10 years or so, I think that's all. it almost comes back to that conversation for me. Anybody in a band shouldn't really want to be part of the establishment. That's why you're in a rock band or a hip-hop artist, or whatever you're doing. You don't want to be part of it. You disagree with it. You disagree with the fundamental elements of it, the politics of it, the economics of it. So I think the fact that they've done so well over the last decade or so to consistently screw up rock bands probably suits an awful lot of people's agendas. It's quite noticeable. I remember the, uh, the, the, the great Steve Lamack saying this once, that it's quite interesting how small music venues get no support off the government but the West End theatres will be championed forever. Mm -hmm. So you can use banal, useless West End musical theatres, you can fund them, yeah. but you get rock and roll bands and venues and people just don't want to know. So I think rock and roll people have never been more on the outside mm -hmm. and they've, never, they've always been outsiders, yeah. but now they're really outside and there's a lack of infrastructure that allows bands to uh, hear their voice heard in its, in its full entirety, really. And I think it's a real relief for me to see bands like Idols becoming big. I never thought a, a big kind... They're not a punk band, but they kind of are a punk band. Yes. Become as big as what they have in the last two years is a uh, breath of fresh air, really. Long may it continue. 
Um, I was also delighted to hear of the wonderful um, events you've put on and still would be putting on at the ship. Can you explain a bit more? The ship, yeah. So the ship on Wardour Street, uh, you know, peerless rock and roll history really within Soho. Uh, all the greats have drunk there, got drunk there, been chucked out of there. Jimi Hendrix has fallen down the stairs there. Uh, so, yeah, so... <laughs> you didn't find my knickers in the toilet, did you? I'm joking. I didn't think I'd bring that one up. Like, <laughs> oh, my brother, doll. <laughs> I'm a lady. There you go. <laughs> Sorry, that was... I was keeping it as clean there as possible. <laughs> yeah. Honest. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> Kieran Macklin, who, who runs it, is a good friend of mine, and we just discussed the idea of putting on uh, monthly events which are acoustic open mic nights, but with a special guest. So we had Hugh Brooker there talking about the history of Acid Jazz Records. Good Don Latstout talking about Fantastic. the 40th anniversary of the Clash's London Calling. So yeah, it's cool. It's a good environment to do it. It's free. It's open. And it would still be going if, if we, uh, you know, we hadn't been attacked. So yeah, by a virus. Wow. Ian, I want to say thank you so much for coming on to our show. I also want to plug this wonderful EP... Do you, why don't you plug it? I'm going to get you to tell me uh, about it. Yeah, sure. Uh, so, yeah, we recorded a Powerless Pros EP last year with Paul Tipler. Uh, Paul Tipler, very well-established producer in the UK. Uh, Stereo Lab was his major band, and Placebo and Idlewild. And a, and a, so, but, he, yeah, he did our EP. So, yeah, you know, it's, uh, it's always difficult to select which songs you give to the world, you know. So, uh, yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to coming to your ship event and any future gigs you have, please let me know and we will plug it over this show. Thank you very much. You've been a really lovely guest. Thank you. And I'll be seeing you in the John Snow. Yay! <laughs> Thank you, Celine. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Best radio show in Soho. And today on Celine Salon, we have Salon regular and one of my favourite, favourite poets, Heather Molson. Hello, hi, Celine. How you doing? All right, thank you. Yes, yeah. yes. We got the dates right. Definitely. All the way from Twickenham. Yes. I look forward to talking to you very shortly. Yes, yes, me and too. Pinky. Hello, 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 hello. There's someone that brightens the day up naturally <laughs> with her pinky hair. How are you, my love? I'm good, thank you. Thanks for having me. I look forward. Uh, pinky is another extremely talented poet who we will be listening to in a little bit. So, welcome to the show, Heather. How are you doing? All right, thank you, Celine. Lovely to see you, lovely to be here. Yeah. Yes, yes. Uh, um, as I explained earlier in the intro, you are, you've been to the salon quite a few times. Oh, I have. I loved it there. Yes, had some great nights. And um, uh, I miss the live poetry scene, I suppose, like everybody. But, uh, no, I had some great nights. Yeah, Jerry's Club. And you're yes. quite a polymath, aren't you? You're an animator, cartoonist, <laughs> illustrator, poet, writer. Yes, I... Animate, yeah, I just say it's just I love looking at all your work. Oh, thank you. Yes, I seem to have braced all these things. They, they awakened in me just a few years ago the things I used to love when I was younger, and now I've embraced them again. But um, I really love poetry, I've really come to uh, understand the art and um, met wonderful people like you. And Aww. yes, yeah, so uh, and how long have you been writing poetry? Not very long, 2016. Yes, I hadn't written since I was 11, then suddenly I was doing it four years ago. That's yes. amazing. Yes, yes. And in terms of, you know, do you, are you, if it weren't in the lockdown, you're on a poetry circuit now? 
I know that you're doing Bell House on Sunday. Yes, yeah. yes, a live event. Oh, that's great. Yeah, after uh, quite a few months, yeah, looking forward to it. In the garden, socially distanced, um, should be good. And hope no it, rain. Hopefully. I was just going to say, <laughs> let's hope it doesn't rain. You have to yes. find those little hats with the bodies yes. on. And... <laughs> and have you had any of your work published? Um, yes, I had a, a pamphlet um, last year um, called Bunty, I Miss You. Um, I had that published. Um, um, and people of a certain age will know it refers to Bunty Comic. And, yes. Yes, and it's basically harking back to adolescence and the 70s, really. So there's, there's a certain amount of people who identify with it and, and the others it'll be a history lesson. But, you know, it's a, um, I just wrote about frustrated adolescence, basically. Yeah, enjoy that. <laughs> yeah, frustration. A good read. <laughs> and I've really, really enjoyed reading your blogs. You're a brilliant blogger and you, oh, you interview a lot of yes. fellow artists. Yes, yes. That's, that was a, I always thought that was a bit of a lockdown project too far, but I'm really enjoying it. Yeah, and it's been fascinating. Yeah, just email um, poets and people I know. And um, no, they've had quite a response. I yep. mean, a blog is a billboard in a desert, really. But So I've been really thrilled with the response. But I did think at one point, what are you doing? But I'm glad I did. It paid off. Oh. <laughs> and who would you say, sort of, poetry-wise would be, you know, you look mm. up to... Or in, you're in, you have been or are inspired by. Yes, yes. Um, well, I really loved. I really love Martin Figura. He's he's a poet based in Norwich, and I've seen him on tour. Luke Wright. Yeah, they're, they're performance poets, really. But um, classical poet was really Philip Larkin. Um, he was the one I loved the most. Yeah. But then suddenly I see these effervescent people, and I think I want to do that. <laughs> it's, um, she's. <coughs> Frog in my throat. <coughs> Me too. Excuse me, what? Something tickly frog. Um, yeah, I was going to say, it's lovely to see a, the, the mm. young generation you know, holding yes, poetry and creativity. Yes, yes. And as I, ca- I have said during uh, the lockdown, that's what's kept some people going, like it going really back has. to classes yes. and yes. putting pen to paper and mm. trying to keep your, your mind mm. occupied. Yes, um, yes. Talking of pen to paper, you're going to share a couple of poems. I, I ha- I, I'd love to, yes. I ha- I've, they're not very long and I've got to, uh, a couple here if you want to. Uh, uh, um, yes, the first one is Pen Friend. It, it got long-listed recently, so it gave me... Uh, I was quite proud of that, uh, you know, after being in the desert for so long. So I read Pen Friend. Uh, everyone, certainly of a certain generation, all had a pen friend. This is Pen Friend. Oh, Ingeborg, where are you now? You wrote to me from your beautiful German valley to my house by the off-licence. Crinkly letters written with your fine felt tip in halting English, a flower drawn at the end. You came to England so bright and bracing while I was full of puppy fat and period pains. Taking you to the Palladium, Derek Nimmo in pantomime, what a culture shock that must have been. But you stayed cheerful and upbeat while I had a face like a lemon. When you started writing to a boy in my class, I knew it was the kiss of death. One more casualty lost to romance. But I stayed brave and wrote to Andre in Yugoslavia. 
and um, I've, I've got one about Brilliant. girl. Mm. Are you saying? <laughs> and I've got one about this girl Linda. I used to play with her. She was a really nice girl, but for some reason I've slagged her off in this. So. <laughs> 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 if, I, if only I could see her now, I would yeah. apologise. But somehow lately I've had a problem with her. <laughs> <laughs> this is Linda. Linda at number 23 flung a stone at me. I hid behind a tree, but she caught me out and gave me a clout, so I kicked her about. She ran in crying, and I was denying to her mum, defying. But now I was trying to be a good friend. She was the living end, friendship on the mend. Then she called me a cow. My hand moved somehow across her face now. An accident, I swore, but both mums abhor the behavioural flaw. But she was a bitch, and this was a bit rich. My mum called me in for my tea, and I watched the telly, then sent to bed. It's too early, I said. Linda said she'll get me tomorrow, yet with whose army? That girl is bloody balmy. Linda's a mare and a half, but she is a good laugh. Thank you. Wow. <laughs> so if okay. anyone knows Linda, can you let me know? I'll go and apologise to the girl. <laughs> Be quite a few Lindas coming after me. <laughs> Heather, thank you so much. Oh, pleasure. It's been an absolute delight to have you on the show. Oh, thank you. Really and absolutely. can anyone attend your live gig on um, Sunday? Or is it yes, uh, yes, I think so. Yes, yes, yes. And so how can they find out about that? Um, yeah, you just... Um, you can either look, look on my Facebook, um, with Heather Molson, or follow Bell House in Dulwich. I think they're online. Yeah. I mean, they are online, but I think they're on Facebook. So. Yeah, Bell yes. House, it's a really lovely building, it's beautiful, it? It's in the village, isn't, isn't it? it? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, a whole new, new world for me. That's a lovely place. So I'm looking forward to it. Okay. Even if it rains, I'm just looking forward to reading live. Thank you for this um, opportunity. And you'll also be at the gallery with me. Can't wait. Yes, yes we're at... doing a, a wonderful show. Darren Coldfield, who was one of our first guests, Tales from the Colony Room, will be at the Della Sposia Gallery on the 1st of October and the 12th of November. Um, you can access... Um, Tickets at Celine Salon, that's on Facebook. Um, it's mm. our, our page, basically. Um, get in quick because it's a very limited space. We only have 23 tickets at £15. And that's endless glasses of wine and fine <laughs> entertainment and the luxury of having Lucian Freud, John Minton, mm. Francis Bacon, the YBAs, all the original mm. artwork and the art from the artists that were members of that club. Fabulous. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, sounds so good. Yeah, I can't wait. All right. Yeah. Have a lovely, lovely afternoon. Thank, Thank you. Thank you, you too. It's Celine's salon. <laughs> knickers, knackers, knockers. Now we bring you. <laughs> Pinky! Hello. Hello, Pinky. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. My little Soho buddy. Hmm. So we've just recently met each other. That's right. Um, I heard great things about you via um, Gary Dunnington, who's a salon regular. Yeah. So you've got to get this lovely young lady onto... This is when we were doing the Zoom. Yes. And I just wanted to... You know, I'm going to start with that, Pinky, because mm. in the beginning it was OK, but I, I actually... We were just discussing, like, even coming into the studio is lovely. You've got human contact. Yeah. 
Um, but you did great, and the feedback from your performance was mm. phenomenal. How did you feel with having to do things online? And Well, that's great to hear that, because for me, anything with technology, it took me about half an hour just to work out how to use the Zoom. Yeah, it was... But, yeah, having, having all those faces staring at you, <laughs> and it was my first time ever reciting anything and sharing it yeah. with someone that's not intimate with me. I was just like, whoa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I guess we kind of wanted to keep things going it was like you know not just for obviously we couldn't do live performance but just for people to have something mm. to aim towards once a month mm. and going right and feel like it was a, some kind of a social yeah. thing as well because on a few of them we we stayed up till like one in the morning <laughs> like a friend in antigua like, yeah, I'm dancing up. in the bedroom <laughs> hey <laughs> whiskey and gary my husband was djing we, you know yeah it was a fun night next door weren't happy they're like can you turn that music down <laughs> so but um yeah i was you know you you really blew us all away <sighs> and you know i just want to you know you started writing from a very young age too yeah. didn't you yeah, um, I mean, I started probably writing little short stories from about six. I had quite a sort of tumultuous childhood and it was just like, it was really cathartic for me, at least until I got older and found other more wild vices. Yeah. But, yeah. Was that your like secret thing? It was my secret thing, it like always has been, yeah. yeah. I always felt like that, it's like you've got like a little guardian around you that no one can get to. That's exactly it, you nailed um, it, yeah. Yes. And could you, you know... Tell us more, sort of the pro... Well, I started writing little short stories and, you know, it's like the princess that escapes. It's always trying to escape reality, you know. And then as I got older, I worked in music a little bit. So I started writing... I started two novels and then for me, it was kind of like, do you know what, small things that speak volume is better. It's kind of like you can write something really concise and say a lot. And I, I just preferred that. So I started writing songs for the, some of the bands that I worked with. And then when I left the music industry, they kind of naturally progressed to poetry, really. Wow. So you were a songwriter originally? Yeah, I mean, I played piano for years. and oh, wow. But I'm totally tone deaf, so there was that. <laughs> it's not, yeah, I played the violin for like eight. If I pick one up now, it's like... Yeah. I remember when it was like going back to when you first start and my mum going, put some resin on that bone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I used to do it to wind her up. <laughs> um, wow, that's... So, yeah, and you kind of... Did you have a breather and then you got back into... I'm of... always writing, like, just always on the go. I'll write little snippets. Some things are really spontaneous and I can write them all in one go. You know, if you're in the moment and you're feeling something really passionate, it just it just flows, you know? Yeah. And um, sort of within the poetry scene itself, as we were saying, it's lovely that young mm. people are getting more... And it has become really popular. Yeah, I actually didn't realise. I mean, it's just it's very personal to me. It's not something that I bother looking into, but I'm starting to see that it is. You know, I've lo looked... There's so many poetry nights going on and literary mm. nights, Well, which... connection is warmth, and we're losing that in this age, you know? Yes. So... And you, aside from the salon, have you... What, what, what other places have you sort of... Never. I was so Never. Oh, well yeah. honoured. Hence the nerve-wracking... <laughs> <laughs> so, I won't, without further ado, I'm going to ask you to introduce your first poem. We've got two from you as well. Yes. Um, fire away. Cool. Let's find them. So, the first one was written during lockdown. I was home in Brighton, sort of scooting about, trying to find the supermoon in May. So, it's about that and some of the emotions that went with lockdown here we go 
hovering under cloud nine on a mystical carpet ride. No strength in despondency, can't heft what's nailed high, keeping us just out of reach in a halfway house, a lie concealing the sublime. Can't remember the last time I was doused in perfume, an angel out of habitation, noosed, hands tied, bluesy serenade heard nearby. I missed her birth, but I can still hear her cries. With oodles of booze, the wanting, the waiting, is insanity personified. Fly on the wall, crawling down the kitchen cabinet. It's starting to feel like an apothecary in here. If it's meant to be, I don't want to compromise. Chairs stacked, mind-numbing sounds, a daytime telly. I started the new year in tears. Then the past exceeded my expectations. My heart was racing. February brandished love, remorse and fear. A celestial finale, May's flower supermoon, a myth of erotic potency. With nowhere but everywhere to go, misery loves antipathy. Walking along the cliff edge, I lost track of the darkness. Only a cigarette to illuminate my path. Not sure where it ends or where it starts. No sure stepping, I nearly stepped over. Trying to see the view from the top. What's the frills of comfort without a little flirt with danger? You're the only one for me, no grace in these waters. Out of time, inside the underbelly, without a kiss goodbye. She won't peak till the early hours, embryonic beauty. I'm sorry I didn't stay to watch you grow. Look at me now, blessed and bathed with a newfound faith I once squandered long ago. My prayers to die died on the vine, the day the sea hugged my skin. Two wrong turns home, I'm thirsty. Still, I'm thrilled to hear, to know you still, I'm alive. Wow. That's absolutely stunning. <laughs> I'm not going to interrupt. I'm going to do my next one then. Yes, thank you so much, Pinky. That's all right. So uh, this is about one of my local little haunts in Soho. That means a lot to me. I've been going there for a long time and I'm well taken care of. <laughs> all right. Saturday fucking night, weekend dawns. With plans awry, speculation clamours in my head. Followed by my shadow as I enter the bar. It seems a no-brainer, looking sexy as fuck. This place sets the benchmark for congeniality. Alone in jazz after dark. A lulling but not completely unwelcome persuasion. Feeling curdled under, trying to drown it out. All dressed up and down, with nowhere to go. So I go to where I know. The door is always open. You know you're always welcome. I'm enamoured as always, albeit unescorted. The glamour that surrounds, generations of stars, star-crossed lovers and lovers gone. She said, he takes the day, but now she's gone too. Sitting in my favourite spot, remembering why I said the last one was the last nail in the coffin, and now I remember why. Horses bucking my head, circling a merry-go-round. Twisted fantasy merely existing in hellfire. I paid the fare thrice, I want off the ride. Candlelight feed in umbra with dancing red lights. He's biting his lips, sipping tap water, while her eyes glaze over. Match made in heaven. Razor sharp blizzard in a life earning pittance. Old man clapping in the corner. Too old for shenanigans, never too old to flirt, never too old to dance with me. Coffee at 10pm when the liquor's flowing and the raggies are fighting. Late night stint. Slave driver with a smile. No vegetating permitted. Change the ashtrays, top me up, my kind of pizzazz. You know I'll be here for a while. Burning the candle at both ends. Well, I can't slow the burn. Thought I could seal your fate, 
I've lost so much of myself, this whole situation is a cause for discern. Nothing can abate this fragility, while I'm cussing and churning, haphazard and unsatiated. So I wander through my Soho streets, aching heart again, ocean blues, but I sail my ship alone. It's not a foreign concept, darling, romance yearns rapport. The energy that resonates here is bound by the family that we are, sapiosexual contingency, where wisdom meets appetite with a brushing sensibility, forever ruthless to leave the allure, so low in Soho, I am home. Wow. I am blown away. Pinky, thank you so much for coming onto the show. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Voilà, c'est le Céline de Salon, une émission de poésie. Hey, welcome back to Celine Salon. And I am really, really honoured to have two lovely guests, one by the name of Jennifer and one by Rupert. And that's one voice, one cello and a mad Belgium. And <laughs> I was quite blown away when I listened to their tracks. I'm a huge cabaret art, uh, fan and my background is cabaret. And it's like this sort of lovely... Um, sort of wibbly wobbly cabaret and I'm not going to go too much into it because I really want to speak to both of you. Welcome to Celine Salon. Thank, thank you. you. Um, thank you for making it here <laughs> after the bank holiday weekend. Um, I just want to ask a bit about, you know, I know that you're from Belgium and you're a North Londoner. Yeah, more or less. <laughs> so what, what, how did this sort of explosion happen as friends and then meeting and a creative explosion I would say because it's that good? Um, do you want to explain a bit more to our listeners? Well, we we were both uh, essentially freelance musicians here in London, and we just ended up playing a gig together. And yes, I can't quite remember what happened after that. Um, we just had a little chat. Uh, I we we got on as friends, and then Rupert had a, a solo project. Was starting a solo project, and said, "Do you want to come as a guest?" And then after a couple of gigs. We sort of decided to make it a duo project, which I'm very happy about. Exactly. <laughs> and when I say wibbly wobbless, because I've got this thing about sort of Berlin cabaret, like any kind of cabarets. Hmm. Um, I remember working with the um, Royal Academy uh, of Musicians, you know, and we had like sort of, you know, a accordion, a trumpet, and then a mad bass drum. Or it's, it doesn't have to, you know, how would you describe, how would, you know, when you got together, what, what should we do? Did you just put both of your ideas in or...? You know, because it is such a unique sound. Well, the way it started is Rupert Rupert had a very strong solo project going already. So at first I just played on his tunes, but what's great is it just seemed to gel uh, very naturally, very quickly. Vocally as well, I have um, to say, it's beautiful. Thank you. Yeah, thank it, you very much. it evolved, of course. Um, I mean, essentially I just noticed uh, Jennifer played the soprano sax, which I'd always loved. And it started off literally with just the cello and the voice with uh, no effects, no pedals or anything like that. And just that combination of the soprano sax. But when I discovered that Jennifer was also a wonderful singer, it was sort of, uh, you know. So it just evolved more and more as a duo as time, project. As so time went by. As time went by, I've, sort of, I've started bringing tunes of my own, etc. Exactly. So it and it's, it's lovely, Jennifer, because when we first met, you kindly brought over a lovely... Um, book on your family's travelling theatre and you really get a sense of that from you it's sort of like this travelling troubadour <laughs> sort of look, another boho hobo boho it's the word of the day <laughs> um, and for you Rupert did you have any um, 
involvement with theatre? Is there any? Oh, I'll have that? you know, I'm thoroughly middle class. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I mean, I've done some theatre in the past. I've been essentially working as a freelance musician for the last ten years, but oh, all sorts of stuff before then. I've done voiceover work. I've um, I've even done voices for children's cartoons many years ago. So lo- loads of stuff over the years. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Am I ho- am I ho- uh, a hobo? So hobo? Bo- what what, you what she said? I'm sure you are. <laughs> this, is, this is the initiation of the hobo bobo ho ho so ho. I see. Is it, so that's that's why you told me to take my trousers off before I came in here. <laughs> oh dear. Um, yeah. So you know, you kind of. I've rumor has it that you're doing the uh, you're doing something quite spectacular. Well, this is I'm. Yeah, um, we've been working on something for a while. Essentially, um, this year is meant to be the 400th anniversary. No, it's not meant to be. It is the 400th anniversary. It is the 400th of the Mayflower. Of, just... of the Mayflower voyage, the, the famous yes. uh, ship that took the pilgrims from Plymouth, from Plymouth to America. But um, the Mayflower ship was actually built in Rotherhithe. Oh. And it was um, essentially, we've been commissioned by Tuned in London, um, who's a wonderful sort of promoter of music, to. Um, write a song cycle about the story of the Mayflower Pilgrims, which we've been working on really hard. And of course, due to COVID, it sort of didn't happen when it was meant to. Because there was a festival that I was meant to be going to, well, we were meant to be going. Oh, really? So they were doing a big celebration, weren't they? Yeah, what a shame. However, pushed yeah. back it's been pushed back. It looks like what we're going to be doing is we're going to be playing a concert in St. Mary's Church in Rotherhithe uh, in October, which is the resting place of Christopher Jones, the captain of the Mayflower. And uh, that's where he was born, and that's where the uh, the Mayflower ship was built as well. And uh, we'll be doing that uh, on a date yet to be announced uh, towards the end of October. And of course, we will be announcing that when we do have the date to promote you. I really, both me and Gary would love to come, so hold tickets, please. Yes, we will. Please okay. do. And that's interesting because the church there has actually got pieces of the ship in the... Um, in That's the right. ceiling, it's actually constructed, and you've got the pub there, which is beautiful. The Mayflower pub just opposite. Because you exactly. could do a gig there. They have live gigs there. You'd be brilliant in there. Well, what's great That'd for... That would be good as a warm-up gig before the show. Right. Yeah. <laughs> what, what is great for for us, and I, I guess for, for me in particular, with this sort of project, and we, we've really enjoyed working on something linked to history, um, and in particular because I'm a... I'm a blue badge guide for London, so I work as a tour guide. And so to be able to bring those two passions of like learning about London and music and, and have things that are inspired by that, it's, it's a great new um, direction for a project that we really enjoy. Yeah, and it's been very exciting sort of telling the human story about something that happened so long ago and it's sort of really hard to empathise, I, I think, as, as a modern person with, with these um, pilgrims 400 years ago. But there is a a human way in that I, I think we've found yes and I think that's also the, the um, great advantage of doing it through songs and music because it's a perfect complement to telling the history of yes. a place as a tour guide to be able to just sing about one particular aspect of it <laughs> in a much more um, sen- well what's the word um, emotional way so you get sort of get to connect with the story in a different on a different level there's so many stories um, in London, whether it's a building or an area, this is where so and so the first gaslight, or you know, we we're we've got we're like spoilt with historical stories, and I, I just I, I really can't wait to see this concert. It sounds fantastic, and um, what would you you know would you like would you ever travel? Do you want to go travelling around Europe? Are you going to sort of go further afield with your music? 
Well, as soon as we can, really. Yes. Um, I think more we've, festivals in the next year, perhaps. We've got some dates in Belgium next year now. We've got we? a couple of dates in Belgium. Um, again, because of COVID, they've sort of been pushed back. Um, but yeah, we, we definitely want to to go further than just London. Um, also, I mean, obviously, I'm from Belgium. I've got links with Belgium and France. Rupert has got quite strong links with Germany, so we, we would definitely like to radiate a bit more. And I really um, admired the way that you both held the torch during the quarantine with your wonderful <laughs> YouTube pieces. I went through all of them. It was really addictive. Oh, I've got to see number oh, eight, number nine, number ten. <laughs> and the diversity of both of you. You're so diverse. Like you could have your own solo and you can mould together. It's a really lovely um, duet of music and song that you could do anything with. And that's how we feel. Yeah, we're... That, that's what's so much fun for us. And it's very organic, and I love that. It's got a lot of, lot of oomph. And I want to say thank you so much well, for thank... coming on to Celine's Salon. Thank, thank you, you so much for having thank us. Thank you for having us. And um, we will be hearing more in just a moment. And I will be keeping all of our listeners updated with all of their gigs. They are really, really worth taking a look. Do you want to tell people where we can? Certainly, you can check out our website, uh, which is very easy to remember. It's www.onevoiceonecelloandmadbelgian.com. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> oh, they're actually Siamese um, twins. They're joined by the ends of their noses. But please also look at the uh, the tuned in website as well, which is the um, uh, the promoter who's uh, organised the Mayflower concert, which I believe is tunedin.london. Please forgive me, Eleanor, if I've got that wrong. But uh, tuned in in Rotherhithe as well. Cool. Okay. Oh, thank you very much. Thank well, you. enjoy the rest of your day. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Hello, good morning, good afternoon. It's Celine Salon. And that was one voice, one cello, and a mad Belgium. Desserts. And please look out for them because they are a superb duet. And I'm really looking forward to inviting them to do some live gigs at Celine Salon. I'm also extremely lucky to um, inform you all of the wonderful new revolutionary online magazine GHQ. That's right, GHQ magazine. Um, Jason Alday, a wonderful Londoner, <laughs> born and raised <laughs> in London as a product of a working class upbringing. And the reason I want to plug it is because I was very lucky to be introduced to Brian Anderson, who is an amazing picture editor and a photojournalist. He's from Glasgow. He's currently working with Pete Doherty, Tom Walker, Jerry Cinnamon to the legendary comeback of the Bay City Rollers. They also have Alan McGee doing a weekly podcast. Last week was Las Vegas and this week coming up will be Bob Geldof. And there'll be more and more exciting guests on his weekly podcast. So please check it out. GHQmagazine.com Celine Salon. <laughs> oh no, I always, it's the end of the show. That hour oh. goes so quickly. 
Um, what lovely guests. Thank you so much, Heather. Oh, pleasure, Celine. I really enjoyed it. And don't yes. forget, everyone, Bell House, Dulwich Village. Yes. Go online, you'll find yes. it. Bellhouse.com, I know you've been yes. on that one. Yes, Pinky, oh, my darling, thank you. <laughs> and just so you're all aware, we're going to be doing another crowdfunder in the new year to publish our own Celine Salon Book of Poetry, um, which both Heather and Pinky will be part of. Oh, so beware. Exciting. We will be plugging that, but we're just going to wait for for all the other bits yes. to calm down and for people yes, to have yes. a bit more of a normal thing. <laughs> um, <laughs> thank you project. to everyone that did um, help us with our last fundraiser during lockdown. Um, we were really, we're so appreciative of being able to build a little mini recording studio to keep things going. Um, today's show is dedicated to Jeff in Camborne, Cornwall. Um, yeah, that's all I'm going to say. And we will be back with another fantastic show on the 30th of September. Lovely thank you to Soho Radio and to all their kind and lovely staff and to Gary Salter, our engineer. Oh, and I mustn't forget a very big thank you to Ian Richards, Lunatics Lost, and to One Voice, One Cello, and a Mad Belgium. Hmm. Well, I thought I'd close the show with, for me, quite a... I would say it's a premonition before I wrote this piece, but it kind of sums up Soho, what's going on around us. Please listen to the words because whatever anyone says, nobody's going to take Soho away. We've got a wonderful village. It's filled with a beautiful community, wonderful pubs, colourful people, craftsmen, tailors, market stalls, lovely things, music, liveliness... Everyone looks out for each other, and let's keep doing that. So, please put your feet up, close your eyes, and listen to a wonderful track where I was really privileged to be part of an album called Lost in Blue, Annie Hogan's Dark Torch Songs with Lydia Lunch, Gavin Friday, and Wolfgang from Craftwork, also Dave Ball, and me. I'm very lucky to be, like, I had the privilege to work with these people this is a song that really resonates with the current climate right now and how Soho is a very special place. Don't take it away. Don't take it away. The ghosts of Soho. <laughs> 